birds flying high You know how I feel Sun in the sky You know how I feel His big head is Birds flying high 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 all right good morning good afternoon and welcome to the t welcome to the the birds flying high podcast i keep forgetting i have other podcasts too that yeah sometimes all right the birds flying high podcast your hub for everything right state baseball Central Missouri, Central Missouri Mules basketball or Mules baseball, UMass Boston Beacons baseball, Tennessee Wesleyan Bulldogs baseball, Florida Southwestern College Buccaneers baseball, Heartland Hawks baseball, and your Tyler Junior College Apaches baseball. All right. Still no college baseball because, yes, they have call, called – Canceled the entire college baseball season. But there is news. The NCAA has ruled now that players can now make an earning now or be paid. And in my opinion, I don't know. I'm kind of in the middle with this. But I kind of feel like eh, maybe not, but wouldn't mind getting paid for playing on the field. I mean, especially if someone like the NCAA is profiting off of like Stuff like players getting hurt and sacrificing their body on the field, then maybe they should get a little bit of it. And also, too, which I'm kind of glad that it is happening now because now the video, now the video game NCAA football is scheduled to be coming back, or at least hasn't been officially dropped. But it's looking like NCAA or EA Sports NCAA football will be coming back, and they will. Or uh, players will profit over the likes or the looks and like and likeness of these players in the game. So yeah, so possibly yeah, NCAA MV, or NC or EA Sports NCAA baseball, NCAA basketball, and some of these other games, NCAA EA Sports NCAA games, possibly might be coming back too. I don't know. That's a game they need to bring back, and or uh, EA Sports NCAA baseball. That would be great. Yeah. I played the 2006 one, and I kind of stunk. Yeah, yeah. I was like, had a couple of programs like right off the bat, but I just stunk. I could not win a game to save my life. I'm kind of excited now because now, after literally a decade later, after playing that game or something like that, then maybe it might change the point where hey, I might be actually good at this now. I thought I wasn't going to be good at something like it. MLB The Show or any of those other MLB games, I'm pretty good at them. I mean, to the point that I'm actually like, yeah, I'm actually creating offense and stuff like that. Just, yeah. And actually winning games. Yeah. Yeah. Either in blowout or even tight games. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So, if you guys have been following what I've been doing with the MLB The Show, speaking of which, um, so franchise mode. So let's see. Hold on. I'll turn this off for a minute. All right. Okay. 
I will go to Microsoft. I've been keeping track. I am now seven and one. I'm about to play a game after this. Um, so it's like game nine. So let's see. So an update. I'll give you an update. Game wise, as I said, I'm a seven and one or a seven and one. And um, I'm about to finish uh, the series or road series against the Nationals. So like game three of a three-game set. So let's see. Let's go over the game results. So as you know, opening day, if you haven't like been checking on, my tw on the page's Twitter page. All right. Game one of 162 on opening day. I played the Washington National or Washington Nationals and won 10 to 2, won 10 to 3. Then the next game, game two of 162, I won that game 4 nothing. First shutout. I'm probably the only shutout of the year so far. Uh, then the, and won the series. And then the next game, game three of 162, we went for the sweep and got the sweep. Uh, winning that game against the defending World Series champion Washington Nationals nine to three, increasing our record to three and zero. Then we played Bryce Harper and the Phillies for a free game set. Game one was a little bit of a hiccup. I mean, game one was a little bit of a hiccup, but the Mets still carried out for the win and came out big in the last few in innings. A really big performance by Edwin Diaz out of the bullpen as the Mets won nine to seven. Increased their record to 4-0. Then game two, they played the Phillies. Kind of got off to a little bit of a hiccup and then uh, won that game 8-4. to Four and increased uh, their record to 5-0 and then went and won the series and then went for the sweep and got the sweep in game three the next day. And won 9-4, increased their record to 6-0 and still undefeated at home. Around the home crowns and queens, and then we went to uh, start off nine or a nine game or a nine game road trip. And first off, we went to our nation capital and took on the defending World Series champion Nationals, who are have been struggling, but not been struggling enough for the first game of the series, where the Nationals won nine to four and ended the undefeated streak for the New York Mets. But then yesterday I played and we avenged last or avenged last game's loss and blew out the defending champion nationals 14 to one. Stroman had a game, a pretty good game. He was a strike away from getting a double digit strikeout performance, but he almost pitched a complete game if he didn't get tired, but yeah. And now we're seven and one and then going for the series win today. Gets the Nationals after this podcast. All right. Much time. Yay, stop. Come on. All right. All right, I got some. All right. All right, so Mud Stingers or Home Runs. So currently right now, let's see. 
two, three, four. All right, so Pete Alonso has four home runs. And then Jacob DeGrom has a home run. See my Conforto. Four. So Michael Conforto and uh, Pete Alonso are tied for the team lead or team uh, lead in home runs. And then let's see. Brandon Nimmo has a home run. Giannis Juanis Cespedes has a home run. And then Edmund Rosario, Edmund Rosario has like two home runs. Jeff McNeil has uh, two home runs. And then Wilson Ramos and uh, uh, Jake Marisnik both have uh, home runs. It's pretty good. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Yeah, the most. And I also did like, so I made a chart here saying that, um, so I uh, put who hit the home runs in that particular order when they were hit. The innings they were hit in. Um. The victim, or who I say, or uh, the pitcher, or whoever, who uh, who I say, the victim who gave, or the schmuck who gave up the home run. <laughs> yeah. So, looking at it right now, we kind of made a, uh, we kind of made Patrick Corman our little, our little schmuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we those that's most that's most home runs that uh, we've hit, or the opposing pitcher that we've uh, hit the most home runs off of, Patrick Corman. <laughs> And yeah, and what team they were part of, and then the date, and then the date of the home run. So like, as in like today is, or today is like a April thirtieth or a four thirty, twenty twenty. All right. So yeah, that's the home run part. Then we'll go over uh, MLB stats rankings and where the Mets are at. Currently, right now, it'll probably change once we uh, get done with tonight or today's game. All right, batting average, the Mets are leading the league with the four hundred with a four hundred free batting average. At bats, they are they are eleventh with a two hundred thirty free um, runs scored. They are first with forty nine hits, um, ninety four, and this is not like just. Since uh last night, this is more like I would say like the last game against the Phillies, so game six or yeah, game six. So yeah, this is after game six of 162. Doubles were lead the league in uh doubles 20. We're tied 21st and last place in triples with zero. Um, home runs were tied for the lead. The league lead in home runs with 14, tied for first. RBIs, we lead the league in a, with a 49. Stone bases, we are 22nd with a two. Uh, caught stealing, tied first with a zero. And the Mets lead the league with a, in a stone base percentage with a 1.000. In walks, they are in lat thirtieth and last place in the league with one. Hey, we just want to go rake, yeah. I mean, seriously, yeah. Just in a uh, batters in our uh, Mets batter striking out, they lead the league with four slugging percentage. They lead the league with six hundred and seventy. 
With on-base percentage, they uh, lead with uh, 443. Yeah. Let's see. With uh, total bases, they lead the league with uh, 156. Plate appearances, they uh, are tied 18th with uh, 236. And then grounding in the double plays, they are tied for 17th with four. Then the fielding category, they are 30th and last place in assists with 24. Uh, they are tied 17th in putouts with 162. Errors, they are tied for for the league league with zero, which it's no longer zero anymore because I kind of gave a little bit of a spoiler alert. Um, they committed an error in last night's game. I played. Um, fielding percentage, they uh, which will probably be going down after we uh, update this tonight or uh, later on today or tonight. Um, they lead the league in or or tie for the league league in fielding percentage with one point oh oh oh. And then pitching, they are sixth in the MLB in e pitching ERA with a three point or three point fifty. Uh, they are tied fourth and in last place, which only like uh, I feel like, which I feel like only three teams in the whole MLB so far have had at least one complete game. So that's why they're tied fourth and last place in the MLB because nobody else in the MLB except for three teams have had a complete game. So they're tied for fourth and last place with zero. Tied for second with uh in shutouts with one uh, tied for 18th in saves with one tied for the league league in blown save with zero. Hmm. Why is that not there? Hold on. All right. They are tied for, or they are for, they lead the league in hits allowed with 42 Runs allowed, they are tied fourth with 21. Earn runs allowed, they are tied fourth with 21. Home runs allowed, they are tied 13th with eight. Uh, walks allowed, they lead the league in uh, or lead the league in that category with zero. Striking out opponents, they lead the league in that category with 81. And then they lead in pitching win percentage with uh, 1.00. Yeah, pretty good for them. I'm not saying the Mets are my favorite team. I just kind of wanted to pick like some random team as a franchise mode and then kind of just go from there. Mainly just to say, just say the sake of me not blowing up every time I blew, like I uh, blow a game or something like that, or lose a game if it's my favorite team, which is the Boston Red Sox. So I decided just to pick a random team in the franchise mode, just for the heck of it, because you know what? It's it's still it's a game. It's a neat game to play, but at the same time, it's still a game. It's nothing to really lose uh, my lose my uh, lose my poop or lose my shit about. So basically, that's why I picked it mainly just to sh kind of teach me how. Like, yeah, this is just a game, and this is just for fun. Yeah, nothing on the line here. So, but it will be kind of neat to see if I can win the whole thing at the end. That actually be pretty neat. Be one of the best teams ever. I mean. Right now, I mean, yeah. But yeah, still a long way to go. Only like we've only played eight games so or the Mets have only or I've only played eight games so far in this franchise mode in the first season. So yeah. Still kind of a long way to go, but so far so good.
All right, so we will take a quick break and then come back and then start um, talk about what the main topic of the issue is today, or one of the main topics is about uh, the 2016 Harlan Hawks team, one of the things we're planning on doing during the, our Corona slash uh, quarantine uh, trilogy series or something like that, or what we're ever talking about during the whole quarantine. So when we come back, we'll start talking about the Harlan Haw- or 2016 Harlan Hawks, my last year at uh, Harlan Community College before I decided to step down as a man or a team manager. So, so don't go anywhere. All right, we are back to start uh, the 2016 Harlan Hawks team. Talk about that. So the reason why this is a special team to me and one of like my top five or what rank uh, second um, in the top five. Yes, the end of the year it wasn't really our best team or we didn't have like the best record or best performance so far. I mean, but still, I mean, we were a talented team. We were a talented team and we just loved being around each other. That was a thing. I mean, and if things would have gone right, we're to the point where like we didn't hear the news and went through the whole like uh, administration uh, bull crap that we had to go through and Mets pretty much lose his job as AG or a, AD, we didn't have to deal with stuff like losing our conference and then eventually losing in the Region 24 tournament in the championship game. We would have gone far. We would have possibly won the whole thing at the end. I mean, with the way things were looking at the begin with, it looks like, hey, this is going to be a fun year. This is going to be a fun 2016. This will be fun. And then we got the news, and then, yeah, that's where things started going a little bit south. But we still won some games in between. And as I said, we didn't win the conference. We were, like, almost close. Like, if we didn't lose the series against uh, Lincoln Land on the last weekend of a conference play in the regular season, we possibly could have possibly won the conference again, regular season conference. But since we lost that series to Lincoln Land, that gave Parkland College or our tribal the conference title, yeah, and and possibly the sec or a first seed in the Region Twenty Four tournament, which was basically our conference tournament, regional, super regional, all bunch up together. <laughs> so yeah, so whoever won this Region Twenty Four tournament would be going to the uh, JUCO Division Two World Series in Eno, Oklahoma, which we've been, which I've been there twice. And Harlan's on, and Harlan's been there three times. Yeah. All right. So yeah, so we made it to the Reach Twenty Four tournament, and it looked like yeah, it was smooth sailing from there, and we made just a championship game, and we just had to win one game against Parkland, who had like one loss, and it was double elimination stuff like that. So if we won that one game. The rope, oh, Eden, Oklahoma, here we come. Back after a two-year absence. Okay. Back after a two-year absence. But in the first game, and uh, I really feel sorry for uh, um, Cole Vermillion, who pitched so great, who pitched really great the entire season and phenomenally the entire season. And that one game, he just got lit up, like right from the get-go. When 
Uh, Parkland was up the bat or first was up the bat first. They just basically just went after him and attacked him. And that forced a winner-take-all game, which should never have happened. And it did. And, yeah, we lost. We did have a chance. We did have, I believe, the bases loaded or, like, runners on to the point where, hey, we can come back and win this thing on a walk-off. But um, the pop-up ended the game, and we saw and we witnessed Parkland dogpiling on the field. And then, yeah, that was it. That was probably the saddest dugout I've ever seen, and possibly afterwards a team meeting and stuff like that. And that was just the saddest I've seen men cry, grown men, young men cry, and possibly grown men too, our coaches, yeah. And, and the reason why that was the way that ended, because this is possibly going to be the end. This is kind of possibly the end of the Heartland Hawks dynasty. Because our coach was being, was being, uh, like, or being, um, fired as our AD. And he possibly is not, he probably is not going to stay as the head coach because the, per, the reason what they wanted to do, they wanted to get rid of Coach Metz's salary, but they wanted to do the whole process of getting rid of athletics, which eventually didn't really happen. But still, they were making, they were starting to pave the way to, hey, we're going to make more academics or athletics less a priority than something like than academics. And then, which is a really shame because they really, because athletics does build character and does build pe- people. Academics doesn't. Academics doesn't. It, it just doesn't. Yeah. It, it, debate me if you want, but it doesn't. It it doesn't. It really doesn't. Yeah. Man, Tom, you're so mad after literally five, four years. After the yet. So it's just, that really should not have ended that way. Of how good of a team that was and how great of a group of guys we all had, that, that season should never ended the way it should have. But as it did, it did end that way. Mets did resign as head coach. What is now the assistant aide or assistant coach at Wright State uh, for baseball. So, so it did get a ha- so it did get a happy ending. That's where he really wanted to be. That's where he really wanted to be. He wanted to be a coach at big time school, like a like a big time NCAA program, and he did. Yeah, he's really happy where he is at now. He does miss being at Heartland, being part of that program, running that show, but he is kind of glad where he's at now. He really is glad. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And they didn't get rid of athletics at Heartland at the end. In fact, they got new administrators, which are pro-athletics, and to the point where they added four more sports teams. They added a men's and women's cross-country team. That's two. Um, a men's golf team and a women's volleyball team. But is it kind of the same over there for Harlem Baseball? Not really. I mean, those days were like Camelot over there. But yeah. All right, so let's get to the stats. Yeah. All right, so for offense, we'll go over this. Colin Holdeman had a uh, 489 batting average, played all 57 of his games that he, or started all 57 games that he played. 
had a had a 70, 178 at bats, scored sixty eight runs, had a eighty seven hits, eighteen of them were doubles, three of them were triples. He had thirteen home runs, fifty eight RBIs, one hundred one hundred fifty total bases, an eight hundred forty three slugging percentage, walked twenty nine times, was hit by was hit by a pitch six times, struck out spurt. Struck out twelve times and grounded in the five double grounded in the five double plays. Um, his uh, on base percentage was five hundred and sixty five. Uh, hit into uh, three sack flies, zero sack hits, and stole fifteen of his eighteen stolen bases or, or stole eight, fifteen stolen bases on eighteen attempts. All right, and he went on to play with the Mets. I'm not really sure if he's still with the Mets now. It's not most. It's mostly for pitching, but he was basically the guy where like uh, he can be our pitcher. He can be our uh, designated hitter on the days he's not pitching, but be our starting pitcher when he is pitching on the day he is pitching. Yeah, so he'll be on also the offensive and deep or on pitching categories too. So just to let you heads up there, yeah, as a, he's not the only one. Yeah, the next couple of episodes, we will be talking about other people, too. Yeah, I won't give any names yet. All right. Colin Riddout already had a 387 batting average, started all 58 of his games that he played, had or uh, had 208 at-bats, scored 68, 66 runs, had 80 hits, 16 of them doubles, 11 of them triples, 14 home runs, 69 RBIs, 160 total bases, a 769 slugging percentage, 23 walks, four it was hit by a pitch four times, struck out 46 times, grounded into zero double plays, had a 448 on base percentage, uh, hit into a four sack flies. Uh, had two sack hits and stole 18 bases of his 23 attempts. Marcus Pingleton had a 360 batting average, started in all 50 of his 50 games, had a had a 172 at bats, scored 60 runs, hit had 62 hits, 14 doubles, five triples, hit seven home runs, 49 RBIs. 107 total bases, um, set, had a 700 and a, or had a 622 slugging percentage, 22 walks, hit seven, uh, hit by a pitch seven times, struck out 37 times, ground into, grounded into one double play, had an on-base percentage of 459, hit in the two sack flies, one sack or one sack hit. Or one sacrifice hit, and stole thirty nine of his forty, uh, and stole thirty nine stolen base, or had thirty nine stolen bases of his forty attempts. So one time he was only caught. Yeah, yeah. All right. Noah Noah Sadler had a three hundred fifty seven batting average. Started all fifty six of his fifty six games. One hundred seventy one batting or one hundred seventy one at bats. 47 runs, 61 hits, 15 of them doubles, four triples, six home run, 
six home runs, 44 RBIs, 44 RBIs, 102 or 102 total bases, a 500, a 596 slugging percentage, 40, 34 walks, seven times, seven times he was hit by a pitch, 49 strikeouts, one ground to one double play, um, had an on-base percentage of 468, hit in the six sack flies, zero sacrifice hits, and stole 15 of the 16 stolen bases. So yeah, so yeah, another one, another time, another player who was only caught once. Yeah. Connor Sorge hit free. Connor Sorge hit three hundred and fifty-two, or his batting average was three hundred and fifty-two. Started in all fifty-six of his games that he played. One hundred or one hundred fifty-nine at bats, forty-six runs, fifty-six hits, nine doubles, three triples, one home run, forty-four RBIs, 70, 74 total bases. A 465 slugging percentage, four, 44, 44 walks, five hit by or five times he was hit by a pitch, 36 strikeouts, two ground, two times he was grounded into a double play, a 490 or 498 uh, on base percentage, um, three sack flies, four hit or four sack hits. And stole 21 stolen bases of a 25 stolen attempts. All right. Daniel Wassinger had a four, uh, 343 batting average. Started 51 of his 55 games. Um, 166 at-bats. 166 at-bats. 49 runs. 47 hits. 15 of them doubles. One was a triple, six home runs, 41 RBIs, 92 stolen or 92 total bases, uh, 555 uh, slugging percentage, 18 walks, six hip, six times he was hit by a pitch, 45 strikeouts, three times he was grounded into a double play, and a 400 a 420 on base percentage. Three sack flies, one sack hit, and nine and nine times and nine times he's stolen out of his eleven attempts, or nine times he's stolen ba- he stole base out of his eleven attempts. Tyler Schmidt played three three hundred and forty, or uh, Tyler Schmidt or Schmidt played or uh, had a three hundred and forty batting average, played twenty nine of his forty games, ninety seven at bats. 37 runs, 33 hits, seven seven of them doubles, four of them triples, 10 home runs, 40 RBIs, 77 or 78 total bases, an 804 an 804 slugging percentage, 11 walks, one hit one time he was hit by a pitch, 27 strikeouts, zero or zero ground Zero times he's rounded into a double play. A 397 or 395 on base percentage. Five sack flies. Zero sack hits. 
and a free and three times he stole base out of his four attempts. Nate Anderson played three hundred or a uh, hit three hundred and thirty three. Um, play starting one game of his twenty games, twelve at bats, four runs, four hits, zero of them doubles, one triple, zero home runs, two RBIs, six total bases, a five hundred slugging percentage, three walks, zero times he was hit by a pitch, five strikeouts. Zero, zero times he grounded into a double play, a 438 on base percentage, one sack fly, one sack or zero sack fly hits, and stole all two of his uh, or stole two of his all of his two base and or and it was two for two in stolen base attempts as well. I should just say that. All right, Mitch Ellis play Mitch Ellis. Hit 313, started in 41 of his 54 games, uh, 115 at bats, 34 runs, 36 hits, eight doubles, one triple, one home run, 22 RBIs, 49 total bases, 400, 426 slugging percentage, 26. I can't talk. Uh, twenty six walks, three three times he hit he was hit by a pitch, twenty one strikeouts, zero times he ran into a double play, a four hundred and forty five on base percentage, two sack flies, two two sack hits, and was twelve for fifteen in stolen base attempts. Miles Hand or Booby Miles had a two hundred and ninety one batting average. Started 40 of his 49 games, 117 at-bats, 35 runs, 34 hits, 7 doubles, 2 triples, 3 homers, 19 RBIs, 54 total bases, 462 slugging percentage, 23 walks, 2 hit-by-pitch, 28 strikeouts, 1 time he grounded into a double play, a 413 on base percentage, uh, one sack hit or one sack fly, uh, zero sack hits, and was 12 for 14 on stolen base attempts. My, Michael Bainbridge played 204, 284 or had a 284 batting average, for, started in 30 of his 41 games, 102 or 102 at bats. 29 runs, 29 hits, six of them doubles, one of them was a triple, four or four home runs, 29 RBIs, 49 total bases, a 480 slugging percentage, 12 walks, four times he was hit by a pitch, 27 strikeouts, and one time he grounded into a double play. And a, a 337 or 372 on base percentage, three sack flies. Zero sack hits and was twelve for. Oh wait, oh, oh Miles Ham was six. Uh, six. Oh crap! Oops. Okay, we totally messed that up. Um. Okay, so actually, it was Miles Ham had one sack hit and zero or one sack line, one, zero sack hits and was six for six in stolen bases. Oops, we read the wrong line. All right, 
And Michael Bainbridge had three sack flies, zero sack or three sack flies, zero sack hits, and was 12 for four on stolen bases. I kind of feel embarrassed. Josh Field hit us 270, uh, started 12 of the 14 games, 37 at bats, 11 runs, 10 hits, two doubles, zero triples. Five home runs, 19 RBIs, 27 total bases, a 330 slugging percentage, nine walks, three total bases, uh, or three nine walks, three hit times he was hit by a pitch, 16 strikeouts, zero ground into double or zero times he grounded into a double play, a 440 or 431 on base percentage, two. Or a two sack flies, zero zero sack hits, and was one for two on uh, stolen base attempts. Alex Walter had a 250 batting average, played started ten started in ten of his 18 games, 28 walks, six runs, seven hits, one one of them was a double, zero triples, zero home runs, five RBIs. Six total bases, a 268 slugging percentage, seven walks, one time he was hit by a pitch, 13 strikeouts, zero times he grounded into a double play, and a 411 on base percentage, zero sack flies, zero sack hits, and was zero for zero in stolen base attempts. Zach Speaker had a 219 or 219 uh, batting average. Played in, started in 31 of his 39 games, had a 105 at bats, 22 runs, 23 hits, seven of them were doubles, one was a triple, two home runs, 22 RBIs, 33 uh, total bases, or 38 total bases, a 362 slugging percentage, 12 walks, four, uh, hit, four times he was hit by a pitch, 20 strikeouts, two uh, ground. Are two uh, times he ground him into a double play, a 320 on base percentage, one sack fly, one sack hit, and was four for six in stolen base attempts. Ryan Taylor had a zero at a zero or a zero 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 batting average, started in zero of his five games, one at bat, four runs, uh, zero. Zero hits, zero tr- doubles, zero triples, zero home runs, zero RBIs, zero uh, total bases, uh, 0.00 slugging percentage, uh, two walks, zero times he was hit by a pitch, one strikeout, uh, zero times he ground into a double play, had an on-base percentage of 667, uh, zero sack flies, zero sack hits, and was one for one on uh, – Stolen base attempts. All right. Okay. And here's something we'll do. All right. So for uh, team totals in offense, they had a 347 uh, batting average, played uh, 58 games, had 100 or uh, 1668 at bats, 518 runs, 579 hits, 100 and uh, 125 uh, doubles, 37 triples, 
72 home runs, 463 RBIs, 994 total bases. Um, had a team slugging percentage of uh, not 596. Um, walked 20, 279 times. Five, 53 times they were hit by a pitch. 383 strikeouts or struck out 383 times. Grounded into 16 double plays. Um, had an on base percent had team on base percentage of 447, 36 sack flies, 11 sack hits, and stole and was a 158 for a 138 or 183 in uh stolen or stolen base attempts. All right, I should have gone over the record and home record. We'll we'll do that at the end of the. All right, but for now we are going to take a break and then come back and start the pitching category. All right, we are back to start the pitching category. All right, so Matt du- or Matt du- or Matthew Dwyer had a 0.00 ERA was one was a 0 and 0 uh one appearance, zero starts, zero complete games, zero shutouts, zero saves. Uh he pitched in a 1.0 innings pitched. Gave up one hit, surrendered zero runs, zero of them RBIs, or zero of them earned runs, um, or zero of them earned runs. Walked zero guys, struck out zero people, or struck out zero people, yeah. We won't go into that other category. All right. Andrew Sykes had a 0.88 ERA, 5-2, 10 appearances, appearances, 7 starts, one complete game, one shutout, zero zero saves, pitched in 30.2 innings pitched, gave up 18 hits, surrendered 13 runs, three of them earned runs, uh, walked 24 guys, and struck out 35 opponents. Tyler Hasper played, or Tyler Hasper had a 1.44 or 1.41 ERA, 10 and one, uh. 11 appearances, 11 starts, all of them starts, uh, six complete games, one shutout, zero saves, uh, pitched in, or uh, 64 innings pitched, uh, gave up 40, 45 hits, 20 or surrendered 21 runs, 10 of them earned runs, uh, walked 26 guys, and struck out 92 batters. Patrick Smith had a 1.50 ERA. 1-0, four appearances, three starts, zero complete games, zero shutouts, zero saves, uh, 12 innings pitched, six hit, gave up six hits, surrendered seven runs, two of them earned runs, 16 walks, and 14 strikeouts. And Colin Holderman, the last guy from the earlier, uh, uh, from the off or from the batting category, he was a pitcher too. He was a hitter on the days he wasn't pitching, and he was a pitcher on the days he was pitching, which is he was basically our start, one of our starters. So Colin Holderman had a 1.57 ERA, 8 and 1, 12 start or 12 appearances, 12 starts. So he started in all of his 12 appearances, three complete games, uh, two shutouts. Or, two shut. Okay, I'm confused. All right, two shutouts, uh, zero saves. Uh, 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 pitched in four, 74.1 innings pitch, 
gave up 49 runs, surrendered 21 hit or 21 or gave up 49 hits, surrendered 21 runs, 13 of them earned runs, walked 23 guys and struck out 92. Yeah, struck out 92. Okay, yeah. Tyler Hutchinson had a 2.13 ERA, 1-2, 19 appearances, 0 starts, 0 complete games, 0 shutouts, 2 saves, uh, 38 innings pitched, gave up 30 hits, or innings pitched, gave up 30 hits, surrendered 11 runs, 9 of them earned runs. Uh, walked 13 times or, or uh, walked 13 batters and struck out 17 batters. Travis Hour had a 2.25 ERA, 0 and 0, or 0 and 0, all right, 0 and, or 0 and 0, uh, four appearances, zero, 0 starts, 0 complete games, 0 shutouts, 0 saves, pitched 8 innings, um, gave up 8 hits, surrendered 4 runs, 2 of them earned runs. Uh, walked six batters and struck out five batters. Oh yeah, it says uh, I forgot to mention this too. Uh, Tyler Schmidt was a pitcher too on the days he wasn't hitting. So yeah, on the days he wasn't in the lineups, he was our one of our pitchers too. I forgot to mention that too. Sorry, man, I keep forgetting that. I I just yeah. Anyway, all right. So he had a two point fifty five ERA, two and zero. Oh, uh, four appear or uh, four appearances, four or four game start or uh, four starts, zero complete games, zero shutouts, zero saves. Uh, pitched in seventeen point two innings pitched. Uh, gave up sixteen hits. Uh, surrendered ten runs. Five of them earned runs. Walked nineteen batters and struck out eleven batters. Tom Bushnell had a three point of forty three ERA. Four and four, 12 appearances, two starts, uh, zero complete games, zero shutouts, one save, uh, pitched in 39.1 innings pitched. Um, for, uh, sur- hold on, reiterate, uh, gave up 35 hits, surrendered 21 runs, 15 of them earned runs, uh, 14 walks, and 49 strikeouts. Brian Zim- or Brian Schrimmer pitched in a, or had a 3.68 ER or 86 ERA, zero and zero, uh, eight appearances, zero complete or zero games started, zero complete games, zero shutouts, zero saves, pitched in 16.1 innings pitched, gave up 13 hits, 10 runs, seven earned run or seven of them earned runs. Uh, struck out or uh, walked 13 batters and uh, struck out 16 batters. Colton Vermillion had a 5.04 ERA, 9 and 2, 12, 12, uh, 12 appearances, 12 games started, or all 12 of those games started, six complete games, two shutouts, zero saves, pitched 64.1 innings pitched. Gave up five or fifty-two hits, or or forty-six earned or forty. Gave up fifty-two hits, surrendered forty-six runs. Thirty-six of them earned runs. Uh, walked twenty-nine guys and struck out sixty-six. Welby Malchuski pitched in a six or a. Welby Malchuski had a six point seventy-five ERA, 
two and one, nine nine appearances, six starts, two complete games, one shutout, zero saves, twenty innings pitched, eighteen hits, twenty two runs, fifteen earned runs, twenty four walks, and seventeen strikeouts. And Jordan Johnston had a ten point oh three ERA. Poor, poor JJ. Uh, one and two, ten appearances, one, one start or a one game start, zero complete game, zero shutouts, two saves, eleven point two innings pitched, surrendered or gave up twenty hits, surrendered eighteen runs, thirteen of them earned runs, ten walks and sixteen strikeouts. Here are and team totals, um, ERA. Our team ERA was a two point ninety four. Uh, our win ro- loss record, which is basically our record, was 49 and 15, 58 games, 18 complete games. Looks like it says nine and two, uh, nine shutouts, five saves, uh, pitched in 397.1 innings pitch, gave up a 311 hits, surrendered 204 earned r- or runs, 130 of them were earned runs. Walked 217 batters and struck out 430 batters. All right. We will take a quick break, but then finish off the 2016 Harlan Hawks teams with the fielding and basically, yeah, win-loss record and stuff like that. So don't go anywhere. All right. We are on the fielding. And let's see. All right. Ryan Taylor had 98 putouts, one assist, zero errors, and had a 1.00 fielding percentage. Welby Malchuski had a three had three putouts, three assists, zero errors, and had a 1.00 um, fielding percentage. Travis Auer had a one at two putouts, zero assists, zero errors, and 1.00 excuse me on um, fielding error. Sorry, Auer. That worked there. Yeah. All right, Jordan Johnson had one put out, zero assists, zero or zero errors, and a 1.00 fielding percentage. Brian Schrimmer had zero put outs, one assist, zero errors, and had a 1.00 fielding percentage. Zach Speaker had 201 put outs, seven assists, two errors, and had a 990 fielding percentage. Alex Balter had 76 putouts, five assists, one error, and had 908 had 988 uh, fielding percentage. Daniel Wassinger had 353 putouts, 26 assists, five errors, and had a 987 fielding percentage. Josh Fuel had 45 putouts, seven assists, one error, and had 981 fielding percentage. Noah Noah Sadler had 132 putouts, seven assists, four errors, and 972 fielding percentage. Miles Hand had 39 putouts, 59 assists, and three errors, or three errors, and had a 977 or 970 fielding percentage. Marcus Pingleton had had 75 putouts, two assists. Three errors and had a 963 fielding percentage. 
Colin Holderman had 45 putouts, 33 assists, three errors, and had a 662 fielding percentage. Mitch Ellis had 44 putouts, 84 assists, 10 errors, and two or 928 fielding percentage. Colin Riddell had 62 putouts, 134 assists, and 16 errors, and a 925 uh, fielding percentage. Tyler Hutchinson had three putouts, nine assists, one error, and a 923 fielding percentage. Tyler Schmidt had uh, 28 had 28 uh, putouts, five assists, three errors, and a 200 and 921 fielding percentage. Connor Sorge had 58 or 56 putouts, one assist, five errors, and a 919 fielding percentage. Colton Vermillion had two putouts, eight assists, one error, and a 909 fielding percentage. Nate Anderson had seven putouts, zero assists, one error, and a 875 fielding percentage. Patrick Smith had zero putouts, five error or five assists, one error, and an 800-833 fielding percentage. Thomas Bushnell or Tom Bushnell had one putout, three assists, one error, and 800 uh, fielding percentage. Tyler Hasper had four putouts, nine assists, five errors, and 722 fielding percentage. Michael Bainbridge had five putouts, 18 assists, and nine errors, and a 719 fielding percentage. Andrew Sykes had zero putouts, five assists, three errors, and a 625 fielding percentage. And Matt, Matt Dwyer had zero putouts, zero errors, or zero assists, zero errors, and he had a .000 fielding percentage. All right. All right, so here we are for our home for win-loss records. So it looks like uh, for win-loss records, uh, we were 43-15. and 15. At home, we were 21-4. and 4. Away, 12-8. and 8. On neutral sites, we were 10-3. And, and we were 25-7 and, uh, and seven in conference play, which got us second place in the conference. All right. That is it for stats. Let's stick around. We're going to have one more topic to talk about, and it's about the Easter Rising and how it kind of ties into the lat the 2016 season a little bit too. So we'll talk about that, and we will come back and wrap up the episode. All right, we are back to wrap up the show. And before we leave, I want to talk about Something that's very special to me as an Irish American, and why kind you kind of my well will well actually this is like our fourth episode, so you might be hearing me references this a little bit too about the GPO Patrick Patrick Pierce James Conley, um, the 1916 Proclamation or the Proclamation uh, Easter Monday 1916. All that stuff. So I'll tell you what it is. So last Friday, a week after, or the day after we recorded the last, or the 
uh, previous episode was the 104th anniversary of the Easter Rising in Dublin, Ireland in 1916. Easter weekend or Easter Monday, which is basically Easter weekend, which in 1916 it happened, Easter weekend happened on that weekend. Because you kind of know how like Easter kind of bumps around every year. Like some some year will be in March, some year will be in April, varies and stuff like that. So it happened on the 23rd and 24th of April. So the so the weekend of the 21st or the 24th, which yeah, Monday, yeah. So on April the 24th, Irish rebels from the IRB the Irish Citizens Army, which is basically kind of the left or like the socialist kind of faction of the Irish Republicanism and the women's faction of the um, Irish uh, of the Athenians of Conan Daman, basically uh, took over key positions in the G- in uh, Dublin, the GPO, which is uh, the General Post Office. Now you know now General Post Office. Uh, they took over um, the four courts in Dublin. They took over the South Dublin Union, Jacob's Biscuit Factory, which if you uh, know a, uh, know what biscuits are in that culture, they are basically just basically cookies and they are gross. <laughs> yeah, they got mouse hairs on them. Just a little spoil alert. Uh, they took over City Hall, the College of Surgeons, uh, Stevens Green, which is basically one of the parks, if well, the park main park in Dublin. Um, Boland's Factory and Northumberland Road, which is basically one of the main roads in uh, Dublin. And they held this out for literally 24, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, for literally a week or six days until, um, and the reason they weren't able to succeed was because they were kind of planning of hoping they would get guns from Germany because Britain and Germany were at war with each other during World War One, And this is pre-Nazi Germany. So this is like Germany before Nazi Germany. So, yeah, so the Nazis weren't even showing up yet. So, yeah, so Germany would send them guns because they kind of knew too, like, hey, let's kind of help the, the Irish rebels out because – this would take away troops, British troops from the Western Front to kind of put this rebellion down. So, hey, what's all in? Yeah, all right, let's get let's get the let's get the Irish rebels some guns. Yeah, which they uh, did, and they shipped them to Ireland. But they and they arrived on Good Friday, but it didn't go as planned. Um, there was miscommunication offshore. Roger came, Caseman, one of the uh, 19 rebels of the rising and one of the 16 to later be executed in June went ashore and was later arrested by the British authorities and the British, uh, one of the British, uh, a British ship spotted the German, uh, transport ship off the coast of Ireland. And the captain had to scuttle the ship, which basically purposely sink it with all the arms. So which all the arms are now gone. Now and the British were alerted or, Lurch the fact, hey, something might be happening. Either a German invasion or a rebellion. Yeah. So that kind of scared the main leaders of the rising. 
especially the leader of the Irish Volunteers, Owen McNeil. And that kind of scared him a little bit too. It's the point where like, hey, we got to call this thing off. So they sent, so he sent a message out to everybody, all the Irish rebels, say, hey, we're not having the marches, stay at home. But the seven leader or the seven signers of the declaration, one of the 16 leaders or 16 people to be shot at the end. I just spoil alert there. <laughs> um, decided. So Podrick Pierce, Patrick Pierce, Podrick is a Gaelic for Patrick. Uh, James Conley, Sean McDermott or Sean McDermott in English. Uh, Tomas McDonough or Thomas McDonough. Um, let's see. Uh, Ian Kent. Joseph or uh, Joseph Mary Plunkett. Yes, his middle name was Mary. Don't don't laugh. Don't laugh. This this is funny. <laughs> and uh, Thomas J. Clark. We're all. I'm talking like an Irishman now. I have all. They all seven of them decided that hey, let's go. We might. We're probably going to lose. But you know what? Let's strike a moral victory for the people of Ireland for some for a rebellion that people will remember and possibly use in the next possible rebellion, the next successful, possibly successful rebellion in Ireland as kind of motivation. So they all decided, hey, let's let's uprise. Whatever rebels we still have left, let's let's go and march on Dublin. Just like no just counter or just like basically just be basically just like ignore Owen Mc or Owen McNeil's orders. Yeah, for all the other rebels who have uh, just arrived or haven't left yet. So they did. They took. They marched on the GPO. They took over all the other um, locations, as I said. They held it out for literally six days until basically the British just basically just bombarded and basically tore Dublin up to the point where like it looked like one of it looked like one of those uh, cities in World War II that just got blown up like just had a really big bomb raid there was that whole town was just leveled and at the end on april the 29th which was yesterday um podrick pierce decided to surrender to the british and that was the end of the rebellion and to begin with the irish people thought why are they uprising again another failed uprising and not only that this was during world war one so a lot of these Irish uh, civilians had families, sons, and brothers, and fathers who were fighting World War I. So they thought these guys were just basically just trap dodgers. They thought they were basically staging an anti-war or an anti-government protest during a time of war. And that's what kind of turned or made the civilian population against to begin with on the, on the Irish rebels. So basically, they were marched through the streets after they were captured and basically were jeered by the civilian population, like jeered, booed at. And yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. But then the British made some really bad cock up decisions. They really screwed up the whole uh, court martial process. They were, they let the civilian population, they left the civilian population in the dark with the whole executions and court martials. They did not let them know anything about it. They basically kind of left them in the dark and they kind of like just made a spect or a debacle of the whole execution to the point where international outcry um, led to 16 rebels were executed, um, all seven of the signers. So, Patrick Pierce, as I said, and yeah, yeah, so all the signers, seven signers were executed. 
which we'll, we'll get into later. Um, and nine others were executed to other like key members, but three member, three leaders did escape execution. The leader of the Kondaman, which is the women's, uh, uh, faction of the IRB, uh, Countess Mekovic, she made it out alive and later lived a full life. Um, Eamon de Valera, who later would become prime minister and leader of Ireland during the 1920s through the 1960s, and uh, W.T. Cross Cosgrove. So they basically were let go and basically uh, just had to serve like penal servitude and stuff like that. So they weren't really allowed to come back to Ireland until basically the time of the war for independence. And but all but sixteen leaders were executed, all, including the seven signers, as I mentioned, were executed, and that led to the point where everybody was the people who were questioning their ability to win and like jeering them and booing them in the streets about, hey, maybe these guys did die for something, and that led to even more hatred, as they kind of intended to, against the British, and that's where the war for independence started. Uh, the IRA started showing up and let and started the fights for their war for independence against the British. Kind of the whole IRA bombing campaigns and stuff like that. And then that led to the ceasefire, which led to uh, the well, the Anglo-Irish Treaty, which it gave Ireland a government and excuse me and an army, but um, it kind of and a. Uh, but it only gave them uh, 26 counties. And in Ireland, there's like 32 counties. So six of the counties, mostly the Ulster counties in Ireland, all still remain part of the British. And Ireland still kind of had to swear an oath of allegiance to the British crown, which kind of made them like a Dominion country, like Canada, Australia, New Zealand, which kind of made it so like if another war happened, they would have to side with the British. And that kind of angered some of the Irish to the point and divided their country up to the point of civil war. So that's where to the point where like up until like Ireland became a republic in 1949 and right after World War II, they started celebrating Easter, Easter Monday and stuff like that. But to a long time, like through the 20s and 30s, there was no celebration because of what they went through during the Irish Civil War and how that kind of like basically tore them apart to the point where this is what we died for. This is what we died for just to start the same old crap all over again. Yeah. Then Ireland became a Republic. And then 1966, they started celebrating the Easter rising in a, for the 50 year anniversary. And then in 2016, they started the 100 or the centennial anniversary for the rebellion. And you can say even like during the troubles and like the conflict in Northern Ireland that kind of still happens today between the IRA and the uh, Ulster government and the British government in Northern Ireland, they were kind of motivated by the 1916 Easter Rising and kind of like took fruit sam sample for what those guys like Patrick Pierce, James Conley, Sean McDermott, or Thomas McDonough, Thomas Clark. Uh, Joseph Mary Plunkett and Ian Kent, and Kent, Eamon Kent all went through. So that's what they kind of learned for the troubles, like Northern Ireland, Belfast, Belfast, sorry, Belfast, <laughs> Belfast, yeah, uh, Londonderry, and all those stuff, yeah. So, 
So what that ties into Heartland baseball a little bit. So 2016 season, I made a deal after the 2015 spring season. During the summer, I'll go buy some Irish uh, flag or the Irish tricolor flag. One night, I could just fly outside my house, and one one for a special purpose. That uh, and I made a deal to myself saying that after every win for Heartland baseball, whether it's the fall preseason or the spring regular season, every win, no matter what, it was a double header or just one game. I would fly for like every win, basically. Like I would take it, like I would take the flag and uh, hold it at each corner, kind of like what you do, like what Olympic athletes do when uh, they win, like those Olympic runners that like, they take the flag and like kind of hold it, like stretch it out and uh, hold it and stuff like that. So I'll do it every time. I'll fly it every time or do that every win as I'm walking out of the stadium or walking to my car from the bus or from the bus after every road game. Yeah. I mean, it kind of varied a little bit too. I mean, I also kind of had to, had to take in mind too that if we win the first game of a doubleheader, we better win the second game of the doubleheader too. Because if we won or lost that game, second game of the doubleheader, and I flew it for the first win, um, that actually would kind of piss some guys off. Yeah, to a point because it, yeah, I don't know we just didn't get two dubs. Yeah, yeah. One of my teammates who won't be mentioned. Like after a double, like it was one, it was a day we played two games earlier in the season. We won the first game and we lost the second game, and uh, so I decided to fly it for the first win. I did it, and then he got, and this certain player got mad at me and kind of like, but kind of like he wasn't like blew up over the top, blew up. He just kind of said, "Hey, we didn't win both games today." Yeah, kind of dealing. Yeah, well, it's kind of. Kind of funny thing. He did. He was the starting pitcher for that game, and he kind of felt that uh, it was his fault. So he was kind of mad we get one. So yeah, but it's long in the past gone. I mean, yeah. So what I do now, since I'm not part of Harlem baseball anymore, and to celebrate the 1916 Easter Rising, um, so every April the 24th, which is the first day of the rebellion, or which the day broke, or the rebellion broke out. On that day, I would fly if it depends on a good day. Yes, or it's Friday wasn't really great up until well, it was kind of decent up until like the afternoon, and then I had to take the flight down. But um, every day, like if it's nice, like today, um, I would fly. I would fly the Irish tricolors. Maybe have a Guinness. Um, I would. I do every depending on whether it's a great day weather wise or bad day weather wise. I will turn on um, a documentary about the 1916 Easter Rising, which is the centennial documentary that uh, I I T E or I T or R T E made, which is basically kind of like the uh, NBC or like uh, kind of like what TV stations like Ireland's main TV station. Uh, so like their documentary that they made for the centennial and which they collaborated with PBS too which is a neat documentary. It's really in-depth, too, and it makes you kind of makes you a little bit, like, kind of gives you the chills in some of those spots, too. So, yeah. Neat documentary. I watched that on uh, Amazon Prime, or I have the DVD set, too. So, and that's what I do. I wanted, to make, I wanted to talk about it, too, because it's the week, and it's only once a year, too, that we get to do this. And to the people of Ireland, this is kind of like their version of 
1776. The proclamation is like their declaration of independence. Like the founding, like the signers of the proclamation were kind of like their George Washingtons, their John Adams, their Thomas Jeffersons, their Benjamin Franklins. Yeah. So like that's kind of like their founding fathers of their nation, of their mo or the modern Irish Irish nation. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I kind of want to talk about just uh so if you wonder like when I make reference to like uh the GPO and all this stuff, then you you now know now. Yeah. You ought to know by now. <laughs> all right. All right, let's wrap this show up. All right, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for giving this opportunity to share and keep doing what I love. Excuse me. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple iTunes. Give us a five-star review if you can. Follow the show on Twitter at uh, Birds High. Uh, we'll we'll try to change that if we can, but I don't know. I kind of I kind of like it. I don't know. It was a generic. Uh, Twitter name that uh, Twitter gave me for username, but we'll figure out doing it. All right. Anyway, so uh, and follow my personal Twitter page at junkyarddog underscore ninety two. We'll have all those in the details of the episode. Follow the show. I think right now just uh, Apple because I'm not really sure uh, what uh, Spotify and Google are doing now. So, but we'll let you know when those are available. Um. If they are available, they eventually do get available. One of the podcasts I have, the TO show, um, I uh, try to get it on Spotify and it's, uh, I'm not really sure. I'm not really getting a look. So, yeah. All right. So, just follow the show on uh, Apple for now. So, I feel like that about do it. All right. See you guys. Banyana. Strong land, can 
glorious dead When you fell in the foggy and prosperity of the whole nation and of all its parts. 
cherishing all the children of the nation equally and oblivious of the differences carefully fostered by an alien government which have divided the minority from the majority in the past. Until our arms have brought the opportune moment for the establishment of a permanent national government representative of the whole people of Ireland and elected by the suffrages of all our men and women, the provisional government hereby constituted will administer the civil and military affairs of the Republic in trust for the people. We place the cause of the Irish Republic under the protection of the Most High God, whose blessing we invoke upon our arms, and we pray that no one who serves that cause will dishonor it by cowardice, inhumanity, or rapine. In this supreme hour, the Irish nation must, by its valor and discipline, and by the readiness of its children to sacrifice themselves for the common good, prove itself worthy of the august destiny to which it is called. Signed on behalf of the Provisional Government, Thomas J. Clark, Sean McGirmother, Thomas McDonough, P. H. Pierce, Eamon Kant, James Connolly, Joseph Plunkett. These signatories were all executed by the British forces.